Welcome to So Here's the Thing, where we share candid conversations that lift the veil on what it takes to find success, even if that means sharing a few unpopular opinions. I'm your host, Leili Amati. Grab some coffee or a cocktail, and let's get real. All right, friends, welcome back to the show. Today, we have the one and only Candace Coppola. She is an author, podcast host, business coach, and entrepreneur, and she is awesome. She believes that if you want your dream business, you have to become the owner that dream business needs, which amen to that. As a successful entrepreneur who grew her business from the spare bedroom of her home to a multi-country, multi-six-figure company, it's safe to say that she's navigated the bumpy road of entrepreneurship. And we are going to dive into talking all about her advice on creating a business plan and her top five tips for writing that business plan and then having it become a real true action plan. So before we dive into that, I'm going to kick it over to Candice and let her tell us a little bit about her journey as an entrepreneur. We chatted a little bit before this and I'm already fascinated by her story and her life. So tell us all about yourself, Candice. Well, Laylee, thanks for such a nice introduction. I feel like you introduced me so well. I'm not sure what to add, but for those of you guys who I have not met yet, hi, I'm Candice and I am a business coach for female entrepreneurs. I mostly work with women in the wedding industry. I've been doing that for about eight years now and I was doing it while I was simultaneously building my wedding and event planning business. So I am a former wedding pro. It feels so weird to say that every time I say former, it feels so strange. But I started my business back in 2007 with zero experience. I had no idea how to plan a wedding, how to design a wedding. I knew absolutely nothing about business. But when I started my business, the one thing that I did do and will give myself credit for is I wrote a business plan. And as Laylee said, I was able to grow that business into a multi six figure multi country business. I moved from Connecticut where my business was based, where I nurtured it and grew it and built a team and brought an extension of it to Barbados after I met my husband. And we decided that this is where we want to live. It's where he's from. And so I brought our brand here and I work with clients for 12 years, helping them celebrate moments that matter while I was coaching wedding pros. And we're coming up on my one year anniversary of selling my business, which is so exciting. So I am a former wedding planner and designer and business owner in the wedding industry, but I actually sold my business back in October of 2019 so that I could do what we're doing right here, right now, speaking with you and helping you build a profitable business with purpose. So that's just a little bit about me. I love that. And I can relate. It is so weird to, to say the words like former wedding industry pro. I stopped shooting weddings last year and it was definitely bittersweet. And it's definitely so strange to, to still kind of say that. So I can relate. Um, but that is amazing. And I love that you sold your business because I think that a lot of people who are solopreneurs or just starting out as entrepreneurs could never see something like that happening. Mm-hmm. I think we kind of think, okay, it's our business. Either we do it or we don't, but there's like this whole other side of things. So, you know, not to put you on the spot, but like, tell us a little bit about how that went down. Like, how did you decide to sell versus just closing up shop? Sure. That's a great question. So I had built a really incredible team who essentially ran my business in the States on my behalf, since I was 4,000 miles away on a tropical Island serving customers here. And so there was this sort of pull to change my business and my life, I would 
say probably starting in 2017, it just wasn't serving me anymore. It wasn't firing me up the way it used to. I felt more called to help people in their business. I wanted to explore more opportunities, the stress of producing really large, large scale, large budget events was weighing on me. And I was just in a different season in my life. I was in my mid thirties and, you know, I wanted my weekends back. I wanted to, to sort of change the dynamic of work and life. And so I went through this whole phase of not really quite, not being quite sure about what to do because our identity is so wrapped up in our business, <laughs> especially when you start your business at a young age and it really, you become an adult by extension of that company. It was a very tumultuous time for me personally. I felt burnt out. I was not sure what to do. And um, I was toying with the idea, could I sell it? I had this great team, so it was obviously viable. It's a viable business. And I thought that I had some viable candidates who would wanna buy it. And I had made the decision that I was going to approach one of the women on my team and see if she was interested. I had flown her in for a really big wedding. We were producing the biggest wedding we've ever produced. And she was at my house. We sat down on the couch. It was like three o'clock in the afternoon. She had just flown in. I poured us both a glass of rosé. I was like, let's talk. It's been a while. And literally I was like three sips in guys. And I was like, do you want to buy my business? And she said, sure, I would actually, yes, I would love to do that. And so immediately we were Googling, like, how do you sell a business? How do you buy a business? We didn't know, you know, and uh, things just came together actually pretty rapidly. It was just a few months later where, you know, we signed the paperwork and did all the exchanges and the business that she had been a part of for 10 years as an intern and grew into an incredible role. She was able to become the owner of that business through a lot of hard work, a lot of heart work. And quite frankly, Lily, I have to say that I had really reached the end of my journey with that business. I couldn't bring it anywhere else. I couldn't, I couldn't really bring it into 2020 and beyond. I had been disconnected from the purpose of it and the clients that it serves. And she is the most magnificent person to see that vision forward and to create a new vision for it, right? So it couldn't be in better hands. I couldn't be more thrilled and proud of her for being able to accomplish something so great. And I couldn't be more happy with my new journey, so. I love that. That gives me like chills to hear like, oh, she interned with you and then grew her way up and then now it's hers and just the ownership. That's amazing. I think that's so rare too, to have somebody stick around for that long in the first place. So clearly there was just something special about it. And I really love that. Um, Thanks for sharing that with us. Well, thanks for asking. I love sharing that story. And it just goes to show you how you can start somewhere and then really bloom and blossom and, and eventually become the owner of a business that you work for. It really is such a great story. I love that so much. Oh, what a great, what a great thing for people to hear as well. I think, you know, a lot of times we put so much pressure on ourselves to be like the entrepreneur and like the business owner. But for some people that journey doesn't look that way. And I think it's really easy to get wrapped up in what everybody else is doing and think that there's only one way to do things when really there are so many options that we might cut ourselves off from before we even get started. So that is awesome. Okay. So let's talk all about business plans because I know that there are a ton of people who are listening to this episode thinking like, what even is a business plan? Like I'm just flying by the seat of my pants. I'm just trying to do the best I can. Like what is the purpose and what is the, what does it even look like? So a business plan is just an overarching strategy for your business. And kudos to you if you saw the title of this episode and said, I'm going to listen to this anyway, because business plans are not sexy. 
They're, they do not sound like they're a lot of fun. Most people don't write them. They just jump into business and try to figure things out. But really a business plan is just an overarching strategy for your business, how you're going to reach whatever vision you have for your company, how you're going to be profitable, how you're going to attract the right people to you, how you're going to reach those goals that you've set for yourself. What is the strategy for your business? What it's not is one of those scary big documents that you likely heard about or saw or thought you had to write back from the 80s, the 90s, the early 2000s. Business plans have really evolved over the years. So it's not one of those big scary documents that you've been hiding from. I highly doubt that any of your listeners are gonna have to approach a bank for funding or go to a VC firm or appear on Shark Tank. And kudos to you if those are your goals. You're definitely gonna wanna listen to this episode. But that's not most of small businesses and, and entrepreneurs that you and I cater to. And so a business plan is really just for you. It's how you're gonna arrive. It's the strategies you need to arrive at the destination that you want. Want your business to go toward. It's nothing more and it's nothing less. And what I'd love to do is break down five pieces that you can implement inside your business plan, really the five most important pieces of a business plan. And you're going to see really shortly that it is not that big, hairy, scary document. I love that summary. I totally agree. And I think that for the most part, I would assume that that most of my listeners, I feel like I know my crew pretty well. And I think, I think for the most part, it's really just going to be something that's for themselves. So I'm excited to dive into that. Um, so yeah, let's, let's get started. Awesome. So as you sit down to write your business plan, I want you to follow these five steps. These are the five most crucial components of a business plan. There are other pieces. You don't have to do them. You can certainly do them if you want. But the first place we really want to start is vision casting. So before you do anything, I want you to cast a vision for your business. It's really the first step. And you can do this if you've been in business for five minutes or five years. I should have said that there is really no right or wrong time to do this. You can do this no matter how many years you've been in business or not, but we're going to cast a vision for what we want your business to look like in the future. Knowing what kind of business you want is going to help you build all the strategies that make that business come to life. So the next four strategies that we talk about all stem from this business, from this vision casting. So we can't know what we're really building until we see the destination that we want to arrive at. And so many people just drift. And nobody gets anywhere intentionally by just drifting. We want to figure out where it is we want to go and then build strategies, different pathways, different routes. They're going to take us to that same destination. And that's what vision casting is. It's just looking into the future and examining what your business looks like. And you get to choose how far in the future you want to go. And I want you to just really paint a picture and tell a story of what your business looks like. Who does it serve? How much money does it make? Where does it look? located? Do you have a team? Do you not? How does it serve you in your life? What kind of impact are you creating? What kind of business are you truly building? So often people start a business and they just get going and they never really think about what they're building. And one of two things happens. Thing number one is it starts to grow and grow and grow. You're filling your calendar, you're getting leads, you're booking customers, you're giving your time. And all of a sudden you take a look at where your business is. You're feeling overrun, overwhelmed. This is, literally has happened to me where one day I woke up and I was like, who put me in charge lately? Like who made me the boss of this business? business. 
And you just look around and you think, wow, this business has grown so much, but it's grown like a weed. This is not the direction I want to go in. It's overwhelming and it's really taking over my life. Or you grow the business that you think you're supposed to have. So you look at Laylee, you look at me, and you look at other people whose businesses you might want to grow a business like. And you think that you have to do everything that we do in business. And it's sort of like you're, you're persuaded to build a business that someone else has, but you really don't know what our goals are. You don't know what our financial goals are. You don't know what, what the purpose is behind our business necessarily, what drives us. So you start to grow a business that looks like someone else's and not something that is going to serve your meaningful life. That's going to kind of create the kind of impact that you want to create on the world. And vision casting helps to, to fix both of those problems. You can wrap your arms around your business, start trimming and cutting things that don't serve you, get really clear on the business that you're building. And you can also get clear on what's going to serve you best. Maybe you don't want to build a million dollar business. Maybe you don't want to build a business that's in several different countries. Maybe you don't want to serve a certain type of customer. So this is going to help you get really, really clear. Now, I have an episode of my podcast, The Power and Purpose. It's episode 42. And I literally walk you through how to vision cast. So go and listen to that episode and get all the support you need on how to do this exercise. And once you do, you'll be ready to start developing strategies in your business plan that will carry you to that vision. That is awesome. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. And I totally agree. I think like the main thing that stood out to me in that was that don't just base what you're doing off of what you see others doing, which is really difficult in our industry, especially right now. I don't know if you noticed this as well, Candice, but I feel like in the past couple of years, we went from we went from our, you know, creative entrepreneurial industries telling us like, this is how you build a six figure business. And now all of a sudden, like two years ago, there was this huge shift of this is how you grow a seven figure business. And this is how you work your way to your first million. And then all of a sudden, everybody started thinking like, yeah, I need a million dollar business. That's what I need. And if you really sit and look at it, I did this recently, which is why it's so fresh on my mind. But I sat and I, I took some time to look at my vision and I was like, I don't need a million dollar business. There's no part of me that wants to build a massive empire with a huge team. I like my small team. I like my intimate feel. I like what I, I love what I do. And I like the, the life that I've built that goes along with it. So what's the purpose behind the million dollar goal? There really, really like isn't one. So I really appreciate that. That's awesome. Yeah. I appreciate what you said there because so often we're just influenced by what other people do. And we believe that we have to grow a business in a similar way. Also too, when you vision cast for today and you build the strategies to arrive at the destination you want to arrive at, you may arrive at that destination and decide that it you know, it maybe isn't as beautiful as you expected it to be. So you're also allowed to change your mind, just like Lily took a look at her vision and said, you know what, this isn't exactly what I want. I don't want this component and that component. I don't need to build a million dollar business. This is what fires me up. This is what gets me up every single morning. This is what lights me up. And so I'm going to go in that direction too. This is your permission to also change your vision. If you decide that where you are right now, or the idea that you thought you should pursue doesn't really align with where you want to go in your life. You're allowed to change and life does change. So your vision is going to change as you grow. Oh yeah. I think that's so important. And I think that's something that a lot of times people are afraid to do is just change their minds and change directions. Mm -hmm. And you feel like I've committed to this. This is now my goal and I can't ever change it. And mm -hmm. I just, 
I think that's so worth mentioning. Love that. Yeah, I agree. So after you have cast a vision for your business, you've gone in the future, you've told the story of what your business looks like. It's time for you to really think about your mission, vision, and purpose. And everyone here listening hasn't gotten to where they are in business without understanding that their company needs some kind of mission, a mission statement. I'm sure you've Googled this. What is a mission statement? You've probably written some semblance of a mission statement, but I'm going to ask you how much of that mission statement is about you. The first step that we took in your business plan was all about you. It was the vision for your future. Now it's time to really think about your customers. And so with your mission, vision, and purpose, we call this your MVP. I want you to focus with intention on how your mission helps to solve the problems of your customers and not just serves you and your business. Now your mission is your message. And so later on, I'm going to talk to you about marketing and how this all comes to play. But really, your mission, vision, and purpose is the foundation of all the services that you create, who you're attracting, how you're helping them, what you're pricing it as. So all of this stems from the mission, vision, and purpose of your business. So in order to get you jump-started in writing some of these statements, let's focus on mission first. So I want you to answer these four questions. And somewhere inside these answers, your mission statement will start to form. And remember, this is all about your customer. It has nothing to do with you. So first, what do you do for your customers? Next, how do you do it? So how do you do that thing for them? Who do you do it for? So who are your ideal customers? Who are you serving? Who are you helping? And then finally, what value are you bringing to them? So what value do you bring to the table? Inside of these answers, you start to paint a picture of what your mission statement looks like. It's not as easy as it sounds, which is why most people really skip it. It does take some time. For some of you guys, you might land on this the first go around. For others, it might be something that you have to sit with for a while. This isn't about crafting the perfect mission statement. The universe will bring you the answers to these questions. One day you will wake up from a conversation, a song, a movie, a book. You will Something will ignite in you and you will trip over the truth about these statements. But for now, the best thing you can do is just get started in thinking about your answers to those questions. So after we examine your mission, I want you to look at your vision. Now we've casted a vision for your business and that's what most people think a vision statement is. But what I want you to do is cast a vision for your customer's future, not the future of your business. I want you to think about what life looks like for your customers after they hire you or buy your products. What does life look like for them? How do you come in and solve their problems? And what is life like for them once you solve those problems? One famous quote that if anybody knows me, they're going to roll their eyes because I see this all the time, but it's a famous quote from Seth Godin. And it says, people don't buy paint, they buy painted walls. The vision that you cast for your customers, what life is like for them once that wall is painted, how do they feel? What does their life look like? What problems have you solved for them? What is life like for them? And the easiest way to, to, to figure this out is to just answer that question. What does life look like for your clients after you've done what you've done? Now, some of you guys are doing some really incredible life-changing things. 
Others probably don't feel like you have that kind of impact on your customer, but you do. Everybody shows up to you with a problem. You solve that problem and life is lighter for them. And so what is life like for them? Paint a story and, and really, or t- tell a story, paint a picture of what life is like for your customers. That's your vision of what life is like for them in the future. And then finally, for your purpose statement, and this is obviously something really important to me because purpose is, is so at the cornerstone of everything I do. If we can condense down your mission and your vision into one singular and impactful statement, what would it be? And this is why you exist. Now, it's got to be concise. It's got to be short. It's got to be sweet. And this ultimately becomes your powerhouse message in your business. It's that big statement on your website above the fold. It's how you lead in your marketing. Your purpose statement really matters. And when your customers read this one concise sentence, they're going to connect with you on a level that they haven't been able to connect with anybody who does what you do. So you want to get really clear and really concise and condense this down. Donald Miller says, if you confuse, you lose. So we need to make this really concise and clear. And like I said, this part, it takes some time. It takes some finesse. You might need to hire somebody to help you, but over time, it's going to become really clear. And this is the bedrock for everything else that we do strategy wise. I think that could be quite possibly one of the most difficult things that people are challenging themselves to do, which is like, just be as concise and clear as possible. I think that is something that so many entrepreneurs, especially creatives struggle with because a lot of us are multi-passionate entrepreneurs or, you know, we think we can do it all or we want to do it all. We want to communicate all of it as much as possible up front. So I love that. And I love the idea of having hiring someone to help you, I think is, is something people hesitate to do in this area. And I think this is something that actually you could probably use a lot of help with. So that's awesome. Yeah, completely. Most people fail at sales because their message is unclear. So if you need help clarifying your message, there are plenty of people you can lean on. You can hire a business coach who specializes in helping you figure this out. You can also take your ideas to a copywriter and have them make sense of this so that they can speak to your audience. And after you have written most of this inside your business plan, you're going to be armed to have somebody come in and really help you clarify everything that your business does, who it serves and why it serves them. So if you're struggling here, you don't have to do it alone. I believe you do not have to do business alone. That's why you have business coaches like us to help you out. And so seek out support that can help you write these foundational statements, get really clear so that you can get out there and create impact in this world and not be hung up on your messaging. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. So what, where are we already on number three? (laughs) We are. So the third thing that I want you to focus on as you're writing your business plan, after you've casted that vision and after you've, you've written your mission, vision, and purpose, whether it's perfect or not, is your ideal customers. And the number one reason why businesses fail in the first 18 months are they don't know who their customers are. Eight out of 10 businesses fail in the first 18 months because they don't know who they're talking to. They don't know their customers. They don't know their values. They don't know their problems, but I don't want that to be you. I want you to create a business that fully understands who you serve so that you can solve their problems quicker, faster, and better than anybody else. You are the go-to person for that 
customer. You really need to know your ideal customers like you know your best friend. And you know your best friend is a complex, unique person. They are not perfect, neither are your customers. And most people, when they set out on this journey to do a customer avatar, an ICA, they you know, talk about things like their age, their gender, all the, those kind of things. They throw in some fun elements like their latte order and their car and where they shop and all that kind of stuff. And that stuff's cute and it can be fun and it can help you really speak to somebody directly. But we got to go a bit deeper and we can't just talk about, you know, their favorite store and how they love J. Crew and all that kind of stuff. We've got to go deeper and we've got to understand what their problems are and what they value because businesses are in business for one singular purpose and that is to solve customers' problems. So you need to know more about what motivates them, what they value, what challenges they face, and yes, what problems they have so that you can position yourself as the solution. Now, here's a little caveat there. Your customer needs to know that these problems actually exist. So nobody wants to buy solutions to problems they don't really understand or fully know are there. So you could be shouting like, you have this problem and you're not paying attention to it. Well, if they don't know it's a problem, they're not going to pay attention to it. So you, you want to position yourself as a solution to their problem that they're aware of. Now, sometimes they're only aware of the symptoms of that problem. They're not really aware of the root. And you can speak to the symptoms and how those symptoms sort of all lead into the essential problem they're facing. But you must know what their problems are. And it's it's got to be more than what kind of car they drive or what their favorite color is or what their age range is. Those things are great. And they help you to connect with somebody on a deeper level. But we need to know what problems they face and most of all, too, what they value. So when you start a business, you might be tempted to serve everyone and anyone. And that's one of the biggest mistakes that most entrepreneurs make. I know I've made it. I'm sure Lily has made it in her journey. And so we cast this really wide net and we think that that's going to increase our chances of landing more customers, making more money, have more impact, all the things. And so the wider the net, the more you catch, but that's just not right. And what ends up happening is you become too watered down, too unspecific, too generic. And by appealing to everyone, you appeal to absolutely no one because no one can really connect to your business. This is your opportunity to decide who you want to work with and also niche down in your business. Be really specific about who these folks are, what problems they have, and what they value. And listen, once you know who you're talking to, then marketing, selling, and serving your ideal customers becomes crystal clear. This is probably one of the, the most important parts of a business plan. I love that because I can absolutely relate to that. When you were like, we all made this mistake in the beginning, I'm over here raising my hand because I think for me, I, I used to think about it like, oh, the experts all say you should niche down, right? The experts all say that you should be specific. And I was like, they're wrong. I know they're wrong. I was so stubborn in that. I truly thought like, no, there's no way. Like I know I'm good at all these things and I know that I want to do all these things and I want to help all these people and I can absolutely do that. Um, and yeah, you could maybe do that, but it's definitely going to take you a whole heck of a lot longer. You're going to burn out like you mentioned. I mean. It, 
I was wrong. And it's so, I think it's so worth mentioning that because I feel like if I can admit I was wrong, maybe somebody who's listening can admit that they're maybe stuck and being stubborn um, in the same way that I was. So I really appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, it's so true. And listen, it's not about you. It's about your customer. So I understand most people cast wide nets because they're multi-passionate. And this is me telling you, you can be multi-purposeful. You can be multi-passionate. You can have two different businesses that serve two different customers. That's fine. As long as your message is clear and you know who you serve. But most people make this huge mistake of, of trying to serve, casting that huge wide net and their business is just watered down. It's too unspecific. It's too generic. And they say their riches are in the niches. And, and it's really, it, it is true. Now, this doesn't mean you have to stay there forever. You know, you might want to take advantage of your current audience, serve them really well, be really specific to them and have dreams of serving a wider audience or speaking to something else, but it, it to a broader base. But you definitely want to start with a niche and you can work your way into serving a broader audience after you've served that niche, after you've been known for something specific, right? So it does really start there. And when you start to map out your ideal customers, beautiful things happen in your business. Like I said, once you know who you're talking to, marketing, attracting, selling, and serving your ideal customers becomes crystal clear. So we have casted a vision for your business. So exciting. And we have also developed your mission, vision, and purpose as it relates to your customers. And now we know who your customers really are. And you get to decide who you want to work with. You don't have to work with everybody and anybody. You get to decide who you want to work with. It. Just remember, they're not going to be perfect people. They're going to be complex and unique and have flaws, but you get to decide. Now it's time for you to chart a pathway to profitability. And Lily, I hear this all the time. People are so freaked out by numbers. People are so freaked out by numbers, but numbers tell us a story about what is possible. So if you are not a numbers person, which I've heard a gazillion times, and I need you to stop saying that, okay? Because <laughs> that is just limiting you. That is just limiting you from really understanding the full financial potential of your business. If you are saying to yourself, I'm not a numbers person, I need you to become one because business is just one big experiment. And so is pricing. There's nothing to be scared of, all right? A lot of people who are scared of numbers, when they finally dig in, it is a unique experience. There are tears, but there's also empowerment because now you know what's happening financially in your business. You cannot run from it. And once you know, once you trip over the truth, you can do something about it if you don't like what you see. Everyone gets so hooked up to over the cost of their products and services. What do I charge? How much does it cost? What do I charge? I'm sure your listeners, you know, have just thought this a million times is my price right? Everything is all about pricing, but here's the deal. Pricing is just math and marketing mixed together. It's where they're fused together. A business plan is going to reveal the pathway to profitability. Now, earlier we talked about people believing they have to have a certain type of business. This is where you get to decide how much money you want to make. You don't have to make a million dollars. Lily said, I don't, I decided that's crazy. I don't need to do that. That's not going to serve me. So I'm going to make, I'm going to build a business that makes X amount instead. You get to choose in your vision, how much money your business brings you every single year. Okay. And we're going to figure out 
how we're going to make that happen. What is the pathway to profitability? One thing I need you to do is lay down the charge what you're worth movement, okay? Because that's just not getting you anywhere. You are worth something. You're worth being paid, okay? You, you are worth something, but that is not a pricing strategy. That is not a financial strategy to getting to those successful sales goals and benchmarks that you want to make. So I need you to lay that down because it does not apply here. And I want you to get invested in the numbers of your business. So here's what you do. I want you to think about what it's going to take to reach your financial vision, that big, hairy, scary number that you want to make. And then you're going to chart out inside a spreadsheet, which I love. You might hate, but I love it. And I'm going to get you to love it. What are the different pathways to profitability? There's not just one singular path. You can, you can arrive at that destination, that number by trying different things, by experimenting, by selling a different number of this and doing a different number of this. And you're going to want to take a look at your current product or service ladder and figure out how that is going to help you reach your financial goals and independence. But here's something that might happen. You might look at these numbers and be like, holy shit, this is impossible. This is not possible without me like basically working 24 hours a day, seven days a week, giving all of my calendar to call, coaching call, like whatever it is that you do, right? Especially if you're a service-based business, there's only one of you, okay? So you either are going to have to really raise your price, cut your expenses, or hire a team to start freeing up your time so that you can show up. You're going to start to really see what your limitations are. And my question to you is instead of saying, I'm not a numbers person, wouldn't you rather know what's possible and also what's impossible based on your current product ladder and service rather than hiding from the true numbers? I'm sure you would rather just rip that bandaid off and be like, okay, what is possible here? And then also what's possible in the future if I'm able to leverage certain revenue streams and all different types of things. So the numbers help you to get curious about what's possible and what's impossible. There are always ceilings to business based on how you are operating right now. Those ceilings might again be your calendar, your time. It could be a ceiling with the number of employees you have of, of what you can really sell of a course or a product or a download or whatever it is that you do. You got to know what those ceilings are so you can figure out what's the opportunity to break through that. Or maybe this isn't a path we want to go down. It taps out. Maybe there's something better we can do to reach our financial goals. So a business plan is going to reveal the pathways to profitability. Whether you're building a $75,000 a year business, which is noble and perfectly fine, or whether you're building a multi seven figure, which is very in vogue right now, kind of business, it's going to reveal what is possible and what is not. I totally agree. And I think the fact that you mentioned how empowering it can be to actually like lean into working with numbers and getting past that limiting belief that like numbers are just not my thing. I cannot express how much I agree with that. I mean, I think that there's so much power in being able to see the numbers as something that it's not scary. Like money should not be scary and we should not be afraid to talk about money and we should not be afraid to um, be strategic with how we're bringing in uh, profits and bringing in income and diversifying our revenue. I mean, there's just like once you get past that, there's so much on the other side of it. So I really value that. And I think it's it's going to be amazing for our listeners to actually dive into kind of getting past that that limiting fear and seeing what's on the other side. 
hundred percent. Listen, I still count using my fingers. Okay. Like I'm not an economist, like I'm not an accountant. Okay. So I speak from a place of being a real world person, right? Like I I'm just like you, I was not a numbers person for a long time until I had some big F ups in my business. And I had to become a numbers person. I had to figure my shit out or I was not going to last. Okay. I had to figure it out. And then once I faced the cold, hard reality of the money I had spent, of the money that was not there, I became obsessed with the numbers. It was a gift, even in a really hard period, it was a gift and it changed my business. I am a sleuth. I am all in the numbers all the time. I make them my business. I want to grow. I want to reach financial success that I was not able to quite reach in my planning business. And so I'm dedicated, y'all. I'm leveraging those revenue streams. I got sales goals. And I'm not going to reach any of that if I don't pay attention to the numbers. So remember, business is one big old experiment. So is pricing. Stop getting hooked up over numbers and being scared and all, and all that stuff. And just remember that your pricing and all of this is math and marketing mixed together. Once you know then you can develop a plan to fix it if it's broken or to accelerate it and scale it if it's not quite where you want to be. I love that. And I think it's really fun to kind of think about it as something that is ever changing. Because again, like we mentioned in the beginning, Mm -hmm. it's, I think we just all get really set into this weird, like everything we do has to be concrete. Everything we do has to be perfect. Everything we do has to be forever. And it's like, (laughs) absolutely not like that. So I'm, I'm excited for people to just kind of dive into creating this plan and, and including in it, like the math and the numbers. Mm-hmm. 100%. You have to be a numbers person. If you own a business, of course, you can delegate out certain tasks as your business grows. You might not be in your QuickBooks and doing all those things. You might be delegating that out to a trusted person, a trusted advisor to do that for you, but you still have to be present in those numbers. It's your business. You are the visionary. You've got to know your numbers. So after we've charted out a pathway to profitability, we've cried some tears, okay? Because you're definitely gonna shed a tear or two. You're gonna be like, wow, I've been doing this all wrong. But now you're empowered, you're emboldened, you're ready to take it on, right? There's no challenge you have not met yet that you have not crushed. I believe that about you because you're a business owner. We're gonna get to step five. And this is the part that everybody loves to skip to. And you'll notice that we've done all this work And now we're getting to marketing and sales. It's the very end. And you want to know what? It's actually super simple. It has been overcomplicated in podcasts by gurus, business coaches, Instagram marketers. You know, the world is just shouting at you all these hacks, tricks, tips, things that you can do to market your business and you're running all over the place, believing that you've got to do all this. You've got to buy this course. You've got to use these hashtags. You've got to listen to this marketer. You've got to be in the DMs. You've got to be doing this. You've got to be on YouTube doing all these crazy things, right? And you're overwhelmed. You're exhausted. You're like, I started this business so that I could help other businesses or design graphics or help people celebrate a moment in their life. I did not start this business so that I could spend five hours a day on Instagram right? So many of us can feel that. And really marketing is just spreading your message so that it reaches the right people. That's all it is, guys. It is not all of those things. Sure. Those things can get you in the door. They can open up a new avenue. They can be fun to experiment and to try, 
But marketing, the fundamental of marketing is simply spreading your message so that it attracts the right people. And prior to this step, we have come up with your message, your mission. Your mission is your message. So now you know what the heck you're talking about. You're talking about your mission 24-7, seven days a week. That's it. That's all you really need to talk about is your mission, what you do and what life looks like for your customers after you do it. And then you just got to be in the right places. You know who your ideal customers are, where are they hanging out? Where are they getting their information? How are they discovering you? How are they searching for solutions to their problems? And guess what? You pop up there. You're like one of those whack-a-moles, except nobody's whacking you down. You're just popping up and you're like, what's going on? I'm here to solve your problem. If this sounds like something you need help with, stick around because I'm going to help you for free. And then I'm going to offer you some paid for options to help you there too. If you're serious about getting help. That's all you've got to do. And so now you're able to attract the right people to you. Your message is going to resonate with them. You know exactly what to say. You can stop running Facebook ads for your wedding planning business. PS that never works. Stop doing that. It is not, it, stop doing that. Facebook ads are for me and Laylee when we're, when we're thinking, you know, we're launching a course or we're generating people to our freebie. It is a different market. Stop listening to that. It's not going to help your wedding planning business. Okay. You can stop spending money in silly places and also stop feeling defeated that you're not getting the kind of traction you want to get on the 500 blog posts you wrote last month, on the three podcast episodes you produced, you're on Twitter, you're on TikTok, you're on Instagram stories, you're reeling it out now, you're doing all the things. You can actually just focus in on where your customers are and where they expect to hear from you. You can nurture them. You can use that know, like, and trust factor to help them to buy from you when they are ready. That is it. So I hope that you've taken a big sigh of relief because marketing is not what everybody makes it out to be. It's simple. It's just spreading your message so it reaches the right people. That's it. No more, no less. Oh, I love a good, simple strategy. I'm not going to lie. And I think that a lot of us do get overwhelmed. I mean, I think about my coaching students and how when they first come to me, they're so frazzled and they're like, I just don't understand why this isn't working. I'm doing everything everyone is telling me to do. And I'm like, well, that's probably why it's not working. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, you're right. I mean, that's the thing is, is we're trying to do so many things. And what I've noticed for anybody in the wedding industry listening, I've noticed so many wedding industry pros are really dialed into the online marketing space where Lily and I are just living and breathing, right? And those strategies don't work for your, not necessarily, not in the same exact way they're being taught, are not going to work for your wedding, for your floral business, for your wedding invitations. There are tweaks you have to make. And so if you're trying out these marketing strategies that are really meant for people with big sales funnels and all this stuff, they're not going to work for you. And I know it's exciting and interesting and you get to do all these cool things, but they're not going to work for your business. And you're going to end up feeling defeated and overwhelmed. You're going to spend a lot of money doing this stuff and it's not going to work. So get you a business coach who can actually sort of synthesize those marketing strategies and help to apply them to your unique business. Because like Lily said, you might learn something, but it's, it's how it's applied to your business, how it's going to attract your ideal customers, how it's going to position your message. And remember, 
we're not trying to build a business that somebody else has. We're trying to build a business that you want. So there is, there, there has to be some synthesizing of that information and making sure it's applied to your business properly. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. And this is amazing. I feel like I hope that everybody who was listening was listening with a notebook and a pen or something with them. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> you can like, I, I so appreciate all the value that you brought to this episode. And I feel like I would advise anybody listen to it again, like listen to this episode twice, because I just think there's so much there. Um, okay. So to wrap us up, I always have to know what is your unpopular opinion on our topic today? What's your unpopular opinion on crafting out a business plan? Right. So I've got two. The first is that business plans are not antiquated. They're not archaic. And some of the most successful people that you follow are in their business plan on a weekly basis, right? They're in there, they're adjusting, they're creating new strategies. They're dialed into it. So remember a business plan is not one of those huge documents that you would take to a VC firm, not for you guys. It is something just for you and your team to live out your vision and also your mission, vision, and purpose for your customers. The second thing, the second big misconception about business plans is that they're static documents. Like it's one and done. You just write it and then you're like, cool, check that off my, my I'm being a good business owner list. I've done it. Now it's time to get out there and do the thing, right? Business plans are living and breathing documents. And depending on where you are in the journey of your business, you may be checking in on it every day if you're growing and scaling and moving fast and breaking things. If you are at the destination, the vision, which by the way, when you arrive, you don't have to go even farther if you don't want to. Like you get to enjoy the fruits of your labor. You have arrived to the, to, to the tropical islands, like pour you a cocktail, get you somebody who can serve you drinks and, you know, do all the fun things that you would do at a, you know, when you arrive at the destination of your choice, you, you get to live there. Um, when you arrive at that destination, like you get to just relax and hang out. So your business plan is something that is ever evolving. You get to change your mind. You get to say, this doesn't work for me. I hate this. I, I don't like this. I don't like working with this type of client. I don't like the service. You get to change your mind and you get to go in there and tweak things in real time as your life changes and as your businesses change. I love both of those. Totally Thanks. agree. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Candice. And you know, we will have all of the links of everything that you shared in our show notes, but I would really recommend, like I said, listen to this twice, you guys, because I feel like there was so much in there that it's, it's just going to be amazing for everybody to be able to dive into crafting out a business plan, especially if it's your first time ever having done something like this. Um, and of course, go check out Candice's podcast as well. I'm sure you share so much value there. Thanks, Lily. And remember, episode 42, 42 is vision casting. So I walk you through that whole exercise and you can get jump started there. That is awesome. Thank you so much. For show notes and resources mentioned on today's episode, head to so here's the thing podcast.com. And if you're enjoying the podcast, I'd love to read your review on iTunes. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll catch you in the next episode.